Hey, welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. I'm here today to talk to you about Tommy Lee, who I have done way too much reading about because I don't like him. Um, the reason I am talking about him on the show today is because Hulu has a new series called Pam and Tommy. It is about the their relationship and the theft and release of their sex tape. And when I first saw the ads for it, I thought that looks like such delicious trash, which it is. But I had concerns that they were not going to touch on Tommy Lee's domestic violence history. And uh, thankfully, he, so far, I'm only three episodes in, um, so far they are showing him to be the erratic asshole uh, narcissist love bomber that he is. So I'm very happy with that because I just didn't want a sanitized version of their relationship or who he is. Sorry, I'm going to burp right now, guys. <laughs> Um, I guess that's my cue to remind you that this show is brought to you by Diet A&W. Diet A&W, because dicks don't burp on themselves. Um, so anyways, I cannot recommend this series enough. The hair and makeup is phenomenal. If It's got to be nominated for Emmys, but I, it should win it. And I've read some industry articles about how they did it because um, the lady playing Pamela Anderson, whose name I forgot, Lily James, Lily James, um, she has a prosthetic forehead that I you can't tell, be, but her forehead is shorter than Pamela's forehead, so she has a prosthetic forehead, which is uh, covers her whole forehead and hairline, and then fake eyebrows on top of that, so she can have Pamela Anderson's thin eyebrows without devastating her nice natural brows. She has uh, upper and lower like teeth. I forget what they call them. They call them clappers, I think, in the pageant community. Um, but they're kind of like fake teeth that you slide over your own teeth that look nicer um, for pageants or in this case to change the shape of your teeth and the way you hold your mouth. Um, I mean, it's it, and you can't tell any of it, the prosthetic. And she walks around naked all the time and you cannot tell that her breasts are a silicone breast piece. Um, her wigs were all hand woven. Um it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. And then Tommy, obviously, all the tattoos and stuff. And uh, it's wonderful. And Seth Rogen is doing an incredible acting job. He's not doing his like, ha, 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 like sort of, uh, that was a bad impression. Uh, one day I'll get my boyfriend on the show. He does. He's very, very good at impressions. And so he can be there to do all the voices and such that I cannot do. Um, anyways, it's a really good show and it is delicious trash. And in episode two, there's a CGI talking penis. What more could you ask for? Um, but also, so the reason I know about Tommy Lee's domestic violence past, other than the, uh, the headlines 
is that uh, my Trashy Book Club, which on Instagram you can follow us, Trashy Book Club 69420. And it's not formal. It's not like we have weekly meetings and you have like assignments or anything about reading. I just read a book. I post pictures and talk about it. Other people read it and comment, whatever. But sorry, another dick burp. Um, we read, uh, Bobby Brown's Dirty Rocker Boys. Bobby Brown was a video vixen. You know her from Warren's Cherry Pie video, but she dated Tommy Lee and what she writes about him is pretty horrific and scary. He's very manipulative, controlling, isolating, violent. Um, it's not good. He doesn't look good in it. So uh, that's kind of when I saw these promos. I was like, they better show what a fucking insane asshole he is. And they did. So that was good. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, and I, I feel like most people, maybe like younger, they don't even fucking remember Tommy Lee as a rock star. They just remember him as a tabloid figure, which I remember when he married Pamela Anderson and I knew who she was because I watched Baywatch and all the magazines back then just said married rocker Tommy Lee. And I remember my mom and I trying to figure out who's Tommy Lee. Like, what do you, what do they mean by rocker? Because none of the articles even said what band he played in. Um and uh, I think, uh, you know, aside from him being a typical, like, just standard, that is who he is, abusive and controlling, I think there probably were some uh, insecurity, some dynamics going on with him being with someone at the height of their fame as his fame was waning, or his fame was waning because they got married long after grunge kind of put uh, hair metal and glam rock to bed. Um, okay, so Tommy Lee, he was born in 1962. He is six foot two and a half. And I put that in my notes because when we get into domestic violence, I think it is a fair point to say that uh, it's scary how big he is. Um, he's very scrawny, but like also six foot two is a, is a big guy. Um, he dropped out of high school to pursue music. Uh, he played in several bands in the Sunset Strip rock scene before forming Motley Crue in 1981. Motley Crue is known for drugs, partying, being over-the-top raucous. And with that band, Tommy was known for mooning the audience. This is a dude who never wears fucking clothes. And, like, whatever. <laughs> but, like, also, just, like, not everyone wants to see your ass, but everyone saw his ass. And he was known for this moving drum kit. He has a drum kit that goes on a roller coaster track. So while he's playing, it goes in a loop. And, like he straps in and he keeps playing as it all moves upside down and goes in a circle, uh, which I didn't know about till I saw them play live in 2010, 11. 12 somewhere around there anyways I got pregnant after that concert um because I am a piece of trash but he had that at the concert and did like a literal 10 minute drum solo and I wanted to die I was not at that concert to see Molly Crew. I was <laughs> to see the other acts um anyways 
Um, but in 2016, apparently that drum set got stuck upside down. And so I read all about like the escape and rescue from that. Uh, and that makes me laugh because I just think it's so cheesy. It's so cheesy. They play a backing track of, um, your love is like a roller coaster. Like the rest of the band leaves the stage and Tommy Lee just drums along to a backing track for 15 fucking minutes. Um, he's been married four times. Uh, his first wife was named Elaine Starchuk or Elaine Bergen. I don't know because different articles said different things and it's almost as though there's not a lot of um, fact checking or journalistic integrity when it comes to publishing things about Tommy Lee. But this Elaine gal, he was married to uh, for 30 days. And then just a few months after that, he married Heather Locklear. Uh, he knew her for three months uh, before proposing to her. And they were married from 1986 to 1993. I could have sworn that there were public domestic violence stuff with their relationship my light Googling for this episode, I could not find that. So I cannot make a statement on whether or not there was domestic violence in that relationship, um, real or alleged. I can't, I couldn't find anything or I didn't put enough effort into finding it. Um, but I mean, listen, being married to someone for 30 days, breaking up, Four months later, proposing to someone, like, marrying them. It's some crazy, like, love-bombing shit. It doesn't sound healthy. They were in their late 20s. Um, allegedly, he cheated. But, but okay, but they did stay married for seven years. So, okay, that's not bad. Seven years, not bad. Um, and, of course, you know all the heads. They were, when they got married, they're like, this is my one and only. We're going to make the coolest grandparents, like... All that shit. All that shit. Everyone's like, I want to grow old with you until they realize that the road to that involves a lot of work because relationships are work. To quote my friend Pam, who is right about most things, and she has a wonderful marriage and home and children, uh, she always says parenting is easy. Marriage is hard. Um, and uh, everyone I know who has a good marriage is like, oh, yeah, no, you have to put in work. Uh I don't know because that, that I've never done I've never done that. Um, so, but allegedly he cheated on Heather Locklear with a porn star, which is why they got divorced. Shortly after that, he was in, dated Bobby Brown. He was engaged to her. Now, while he was still engaged to Bobby Brown, I, this is where I turn into Sophia Petrello. Picture it. New Year's Eve, Hollywood nightclub. Um, he's at a nightclub with Bobby Brown on New Year's Eve, and Pamela Anderson is at that same club. And she, this is the height of her Baywatch fame. She, in 1994, sorry guys, let me picture it, 1994. So, Pamela Anderson, famous, wealthy, gorgeous woman, buys a shot of Goldschlager for everyone in the bar. And I had heard like that she had just sent it over to his table, but it turns out like, no, she just bought around for everyone in the club. <sighs> Goldschlager. Yuck. Um, anyways, so she buys around for the bar 
And Tommy Lee responds to this by grabbing his bottle of Cristal and going over to her and licking the side of her face from like her jaw to her ear. And then she's like, uh, I don't know. And then she just turns and does it to her friend and they keep partying. And Bobby Brown describes this meeting as like Pamela basically like when they're sitting with her, she was only talking to Tommy. She wasn't addressing the other women at the table. And Bobby Brown had, she seems like a girl's girl, um, despite, you know, getting tied up in a lot of bad relationships, but her and Pam kind of had a little bit of a rivalry because they look a lot alike. And so they were going out for a lot of the same roles and casting at this time. Um, and I forget which audition she says she was at that, like, she thought she was going to get the job, but Pam walks in and it's kind of like, oh, is Pamela Anderson just like me, but with a little more je ne sais quoi. Um, but she's like, what she said about Pam wasn't necessarily negative. It was just that Pamela Anderson is the type of woman who doesn't really have girlfriends. And um, I, I think you should question that type of person, although I myself don't really have girlfriends, but I don't really have friends. So it's just different. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And she said that Pamela Anderson was just like very focused on like fame, career, whatever. Bobby was more of a like whatever party girl. And then she got into drugs and whatever. But, um, so they meet on New Year's Eve and, uh, for six months after that, he's calling, Tommy is calling Pamela obsessively. Mind you, still engaged to Bobby Brown. They are still together, but he's obsessively calling Pamela Anderson, leaving voicemails, whatever. So he breaks up with Bobby Brown finally. Pam is going to Cancun for a work trip for like a promotional thing for Baywatch. Tommy follows her there. Like she doesn't invite him. He's just like, oh, Pam's going to Cancun. Let me also go to Cancun. And then when he got there, mind you, this is before the internet. This is before cell phones. When he got there, he called every hotel until he found the one she was staying at so he could get a hold of her, which I find to be very uncomfortable. I I just, I don't find this cute or funny or romantic or anything like I'm going on a trip and you just fly to meet me there I didn't invite you I might not want you there even if I like you maybe I want to focus on work on my work trip um so I think this is really creepy and then calling around to find her you know what I mean like if you're calling someone obsessively and they're not calling you back like get the hint it's not being reciprocal but apparently it works because he calls every hotel in Cancun to find her. And the first night after she's done with work stuff, they go out, they party, they get wasted. Um, on the Pam and Tommy show, it shows them doing ecstasy. Um, but he proposes to her that first night. He borrows one of his buddies because he, oh, he flew out there with buddies too, which I guess is a good backup plan. If Pam doesn't want to hang out with you, at least you're there with your buddies, but also like if you're trying to woo or seduce me, why are you dudes with you? But anyways, he borrows one of his broskies, pinky rings, and proposes to Pam on that first night together in Cancun. 
And four days later, like, four, hold on, I, gotta, I need another sip of my Diet A&W, guys. Um, four days later, um, they get married on the beach in their bathing suits. They found a minister and then she's wearing a white bikini. He's wearing black swim trunks. Uh, they say their I do's and they run off and jump into the ocean and all their guests at the wedding follow them and they splish splash around like a bunch of very mentally healthy sane adults. Um, and at this time... Um, Pamela Anderson was 27. Tommy Lee was 32. So they're adults, by the way. Uh, if they were 21, I might be like, yeah, drunk, impulsive behavior. Sure. And like, whatever. Listen, I'm still not done growing up, but like 27 and 32 seems old enough to know that you don't get married four days after knowing each other. And they both talk about Tommy Lee in his autobiography, Tommy Land, talks about how the flight home was so awkward because, like, they didn't know anything about each other. So it's it was, what do you like for breakfast? What's your middle name? Are your parents still alive? Because they didn't know each other. They just knew that they were very much... I guess, sexually attracted to each other. There was a strong chemistry between them, but they were virtual strangers and they, you know, so they have to actually get to know each other now and decide where they're going to live. Like who's, they both have separate houses. Like whose house do we live at? And they end up moving into his house. Um, and they go on to have two kids, one in 1996, another in 1997. They're divorced in 1998. Um, and, and, that, and that's because in 1998, uh, Tommy Lee was convicted of felony spousal battery and went to jail for six months because he kicked Pam while she was holding one of their sons. Uh, apparently he wanted her to call and tell her parents not to come over. Probably they were fighting or something was happening and he was like, I don't want your parents coming over. And she was like, oh, God, I, I want my parents coming over to protect me. So you have to act normal because, you know, he's not going to abuse her in front of her parents. And he's like, call your parents, tell them not to come over. And she said no. So he kicked her while she's holding their son. Um, because here's the problem with people with wealth and fame etc is they're used to getting their way and when they don't it is very difficult for them to accept uh, people who have a lower status in life are used to um, being under someone else's thumb or getting fucked in the ass metaphorically so they can kind of accept the word no better because they've heard it more often um, but spoiled brat rock stars uh apparently don't take no well and you will get that if you read dirty rocker boys uh basically the conclusion you walk away from is don't don't date a rock star because they're fucking children um and you know she talks about these guys that she dated from the hair metal scene and how they became absolute they became absolute messes when grunge came in and their careers waned and they just they could they they had no idea that there was going to be a future where they weren't in the spotlight and therefore they you know ended up doing drugs or whatever not all of them 
one of my customers manages uh, someone from Great White, and apparently at the height of his fame, they were making good money, whatever, but he they could kind of see, like, this isn't forever. He left and got a master's from an Ivy League college and started a career and saved all his money because he was a sane person. Um, and so where was I at with this? Uh, after Pamela, he was engaged in 2001, 2003 to this lady named Mady Garcia. She's an ex-wife of Prince. In 2008, he got back together with Pam and was like, oh, yeah, we're living together with the kids. Like, the kids are so happy because we're together. Um, but all the articles are, they soon split afterwards. But it looks like they split in 2010. So for me, I'm like, two years is kind of a long time <laughs> to have rekindled, to have lived back together, um, especially with a lunatic. Uh, in 2014 to 2017, he was engaged to a Greek German singer named Sophia Tufa. And then in 2019, he married a quote, social media celebrity, unquote, Brittany Furlon. Who cares? No one cares. Um, more on how he's a piece of shit. Uh, because, and I should say that in between the divorce from Pam in 98 and getting back together with Pam, he had Bobby Brown and her daughter from her marriage to, I believe, Jeannie Lane of Warrant. Bobby was in a bad place. He invited her to come, like, hey, I've got this big house. You two can come stay with me because, like, I don't want you sleeping on a couch with your daughter. And so he invites – and he's like, no funny business. Like, no funny business, just roommates. We're old pals. And then immediately starts, like, trying to sneak into her room at night, walking around naked, trying to walk in on her naked, like, making her very uncomfortable. And she left soon after despite the fact that she's, like, super broke. And that's so predatory, right, to be like, oh, you don't have a place to live or any money, but I have a house, I have money, come stay with me, no funny business, and then the minute she moves in, he's like, so you want to fuck, or here's my dick, um, which is a huge... Uh, while he was married to Pam, obviously, like, the sex tape was stolen because he fired an electrician who... Everyone makes it out to be, like, this electrician is the villain, which in a way he is because, like, they did not consent to this tape being released. However, this electrician was owed $20,000 by Tommy Lee, and he was willing to let that slide, but when him and his partner went to back to the mansion just to pick up their tools, like, hey, man, we just want to get our tools, Tommy pulled a gun on them and, like, asked them to leave the property, and so the electrician who ended up stealing the tape, he basically cased their house and he claims to have done it alone. Tommy thinks there's no way he could have, but he stole a safe and then later opened it because um, he's just like, yeah, well, I'm going to get my reparations. Like you pulled a gun on me when I tried to get my tools. Um, you owe me $20,000. And in the safe was this tape, uh, which... Pam describes as not like a sex tape, but like a collection of videos of them naked on vacation, which is kind of true if you've seen it. Um, and it really f like it. 
it fucked with them a lot. They tried to sue uh, to get money. Like, it... Because... Whatever. I This wasn't... I, I had always assumed before doing this research and before watching the Hulu show that they had leaked it themselves for publicity because, like, I just am used to the Kardashian era where that is the truth. Um, but apparently, like, this was actually stolen and released without their permission. And um, the electrician, Rand, I forget his last name, he admits to that. Uh, but... Uh, so I do feel bad for them because I think that's so violating. I mean, it's like being digitally raped that millions of people have seen you naked without your consent. And, um, and I think like the nineties and even the two thousands was the era, the paparazzi era, the Perez Hilton era where it kind of was like, well, you make a lot of money by being good looking or you're a celebrity. So you deserve to be chased by paparazzi. You deserve to have dicks drawn on your face and be called fat or whatever, because you're being compensated financially because you're a wealthy celebrity. And so the public, I think felt entitled to these things in the same way that when Paris Hilton's sex tape came out rather than say this on she was like 18 when that tape was made and it was her ex-boyfriend who released it and rather than say like this is a digital rape of a young woman who didn't consent to this it was like well she's famous she deserves it and also these are sexualized women so like okay Pam is in a bikini and a bathing suit on Baywatch every week. She's been in Playboy. So we, we, the public are entitled to see her sex tape because she's already a sex object. So that how, like it, we couldn't understand how this could be violating to these women because it's like, okay, well you, you are a sexualized person in the media. So what's the problem with, us seeing your sex tape or your nudes getting leaked or whatever. And, and that is so, in hindsight, it's so yucky. It's so yucky because like, even if you are someone who is sexy, sexual, talks about sex, it doesn't mean that that's up for grabs. You still get to be in control of it because it's still your body. It's still your, your sex life. And, and that is sacred. Um, so yeah, it's just so weird to think like, God, listen, there's no sex tapes of me, but like, if that were to ever leak guys, don't watch it. Cause I don't want you to see that. Like I talk about sex on a podcast, but I, I don't want anyone to see me doing it. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? And so it's just so weird that it's like we thought these women deserved this. Ugh, we felt entitled to this. Um, I'm really glad the public perception has started to change in terms of this sort of thing with celebrities. But the, this tape was leaked in 1995, and so that wasn't the thing. It was you know, initially you could order a DVD and then it was distributed digitally or you could illegally download it. And it was this thing that you would hear people would talk about and you would set up to download and it would take like hours on your dial up and you invite friends over to watch it. And never once did we think 
hey, these people didn't want us to see this. Maybe we shouldn't watch this. Um, so, so, so yucky. Um, and I think I, I meant to talk about what a love bomber Tommy Lee is and how dangerous uh, that is. I talked about love bombing a little bit on my Hugh Hefner episode. Uh, we talked about it on the Marilyn Manson episode. But this guy is just like, you know, day four, let's get married. And it seems to be a pattern in his relationship, this intensity, which is actually scary. Like, I don't ever want someone to be so in love with me instantaneously like that. Because what that is, I would assume, is he's in love with an idea of you. And then when he gets, he doesn't want to date you, a real human being who's multifaceted and maybe sometimes has a headache and doesn't want to have sex or is busy with their job and doesn't want to have sex or whatever. He wants vacation wet hole version of you and any sort of deviation from that is going to upset him. If you want to hang out with your friends um, or you put more attention on the children than on him, he will get mad, which Apparently, uh, he has issues with even with jealousy over the time that uh, women would spend with, like, women he's dated, like, if they pay more attention to their children than him, he would fly into jealous fits of rage, uh, which he did with Bobby Brown, which is fucking crazy. How fucking insecure are you that it's like, no, stop playing games with your child. Pay attention to me. Ugh, it makes me want to kill him. Anyways, and so, like, yeah, I just, like, if anyone is, like, that into you that quickly, run for the fucking hills because that ain't healthy. It is not good. They are not seeing you as a human being. They are seeing you as a fantasy, and when they see the reality of you as a person, they are going to um, be... As, as happy and intensely in love as they show you when they get angry, it will also be that intense. And this goes back to the concept of medium, which I talk about on Decency with DeLorean on Patreon, patreon.com slash sex, drugs, and spirituality. It's a dollar a month. But like, maybe you don't need all this intense, intense passion, which comes with also intense anger and rage and insecurity. Maybe you want a nice medium guy, a real steady Eddie. Because and like just in life, just shoot, just don't you, not everything has to be this like elevated level, this intensity. Maybe it just needs to be medium. You know what I mean? Like Okay, you could start doing CrossFit and you could go seven days in a row, but you're probably going to get burnt out and never go back. If you've never worked out before, like I, I remember in my former life, uh, this would be 15 years ago, I would start P90X and then I would do it for a couple days and barely be able to move and then I would quit and like four months later, I'd try it again and I would quit and then I realized like, oh, I am not in good shape so I don't need to go crazy all in like this. I need to do a nice low-level workout every day and keep building on that and then it turns out that like now I'm in shape because you know why 
I started at the bottom and just slow and steady. I live my life like barbecue, low and slow, nice and medium. And so like I just guys who are this intense, it's so gross. It's so gross to me because I'm just like I hear the like danger Will Robinson um, in my head. And uh, I think, you know, it's no surprise to me that a lot of the women who date men like this or men who date women like this are addicts because like addicts I think operate at a higher level of stimulation they require a higher level of stimulation than a non-addict um to kind of light up those dopamine receptors and so to them like a relationship is this it is intensity and if you've ever been in an abusive relationship which is thrilling and the sex is really good. Um, when you uh, recover and you go to therapy and you try to start dating and being in healthy relationships, initially they are kind of boring because you're just not used to it. And then you're like, does this person love me? They're not showing up at my house in the middle of the night dropping off cassette tapes of songs they wrote for me. <laughs> it's like, no, you do you really want someone showing up in the middle of the night at your house? And the answer is actually no. So like, don't worry. Like someone can love you without acting fucking crazy. Um, and so, um, so yeah, Tommy Lee, uh, addiction problems, spousal, spousal abuse, love bomber, uh, mooner, but it gets worse. It really does. Um, in 1997, he was arrested with Nikki Six, his bandmate in Motley Crue, for inciting a riot at a concert. And Six alleged, uh, Nikki Six allegedly uh, called a security guard a racial slur. He poured beer on his head and suggested the crowd attack him. Can you fucking imagine? Can you fucking imagine wielding that type of power that you're playing an arena and you decide to call someone not only use a racial slur into a microphone directed at an individual but then in, encourage the crowd to attack that person and how horrifying how terrifying that must have been for that security guard i mean these are garbage people these are garbage people hey the 90s into the aughts was also a time of white trash culture being way too strong and at the forefront i talk a little bit about it um Spoiler alert, my podcast that I used to have with my ex, Zach, Shade Palace, where we watch reality shows. Um, I'm rebooting it with a different host. His name is Anthony. He's the host of the Reality Wagon podcast. Um, and we're covering uh, Daisy of Love, a spinoff of Rock of Love. And on the upcoming episode that I'm still editing, we talk. I talk a little bit about the white trash racial racist culture of this time and it's ugh, it's so yucky anyways um so yeah so uh tommy did that and that was really awful um in 1998 my my uh Notes say 1998 swastika paparazzi bullshit. So in 1998, he attacked a paparazzi and apparently like his sleeve list lifted to reveal a swastika tattoo. And his lawyer tried to get that footage blocked from court because they were like, well, if they show this swastika, it's going to taint the jury against him. And then everyone was like, 
or he was like, well, yeah, but like, it's not a left facing swastika. It's a right facing swastika, which is a good one? Question mark. I did a lot of research into this to be like, wait, is it, it, it's okay going one way and not the other. And like the Nazi one did go one way and there are ones that go the other way. And obviously the swastika has a history in like Hindu symbolism and it's been in like religious symbolism for a long time. But after the Nazis took it over, it's, pretty much ceased being used because they ruined it because they fucking ruined it. And so, um, when Tommy Lee got this tattoo, uh, it was after world war two. So, um, huh? I, this is also like, you have your people like fucking, who's that guy from West coast choppers who collected Nazi memorabilia. Like, this is why you can't let white trash people get rich because like, they just, ugh, they're just gross. They're just fucking gross. Um, and so I guess since then he's had this tattoo removed. I just cannot fathom why he got it in the first place because I don't think that he's part of any sort of religion uh, to which this was meaningful. Uh, <laughs> I don't think. I don't think that he got it for religious reason, reasons. I think he got it because he is a racist white power piece of shit. Um, and so, uh, I mean, he's had it removed, but I don't know that there's a redemption story there. He probably just had it removed because he got in trouble. Because baby got in trouble. Um, so that's it. Tommy Lee's a piece of shit. The Pam and Tommy show is very good. Um, and uh, swastikas are bad. That's it. All right. Uh, thank you guys for coming along for this uh, yucky, yucky ride. And have a happy hump day. Bye.